You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Mary, in the late 19th century, there was a book called The Ruling Class. It was by a man by the name of Gaetano Mosca. Now, remember, the late 19th century, uh, Marx is writing. So we're taking whole new views of what society should be like after the overturning first of the French Revolution, then the middle of the 19th century, 1848, the revolutions that attacked the monarchies. People are asking, what should our society be like? Moscow says there are only two classes. You can kind of hear how this will differ, differ from Marx. He says the two classes are an organized minority and a disorganized majority. And you can kind of intuit what that is. But he goes on to say that the disorganized majority will actually like having the organized minority in power because they will admire the organization and the power of the uh, organized minority. And, you know, from this, uh, Moscow does not use the word fascism. But philosophically, that's really where it begins within that. And that organized minority, really by the time of the First World War, this has evolved a little bit, will stand for some things. They will stand for strength, uh, a powerful group that is going to keep order. Uh, they will stand for strength internationally, a nationalist uh, uh, group. They will stand for maintaining the economic system, even though that economic system may be unjust. And I, I belabor all this from a kind of a forgotten 19th century writer, because I think this is at the core of Trumpism. Uh, and when Trump says it is not possible that I lost the election, in a way what he's saying is we, Trump, the Republicans, that whole group, we are the organized minority. And so the disorganized majority, first, could never get it together to defeat us. And secondly, they actually probably admire us for, for what we do. I, I say all of this because we throw sometimes around the word fascist. And in fact, I think Trumpism is not a democratic movement. To them, there is nothing aberrant about having attacked the Capitol. They are, by their nature, a fascist movement that believes an organized minority uh, should be running the country. Now, as our mom would say, what do you think about them beans, huh? <laughs> so first of all, just so we're all like sharing the same definition, so how would you define fascism? Fascism, I think, is a strong, powerful government uh, that is going to enforce the current order. They, they once described themselves as a third way. This is in like the 1930s. Uh, and that third way was to make certain 
that those who are in economic and social power stay in economic and social power, that there is no disorder. Remember, what they don't like, what they're opposed to, is the disorganized mass. That's democracy as far as they're concerned. And so, so their group is going to be the ones that will both maintain internal order and will stand up against potential threats from the outside. So that, what is the root, do you know, of the word fascist? Yeah, the, the word actually comes from, from a Latin word, fasces, fasces, depending on your pronunci uh, pronunciation. And this goes all the way back. This may go to Etruscan times uh, before Rome. But there were a group of 12 uh, people, 12 men, uh, in Rome called the lictors. And the lictors were kind of the assistant magistrates. They walked in front of them. And they carried a bundle, and that bundle was a bundle of wood put around an axe. So the picture, there's an axe in the middle. You put the bundle of wood around it. You tie that off with leather, and that was the symbol of authority. It appears, by the way, that it was used to give corporal punishment and maybe even capital punishment. The uh, Italians, because really fascism comes from Italy, uh, and Mussolini is the center of that, looked back to Rome and they looked at this bundle of wood and the Latin word for a bundle of wood is fasces uh, there. And they said, okay, we are the ones who carry the power. We are therefore the fascists. So a, a, a fascist state is an, a, is an anathema to a democratic, uh, liberal democracy, using the word liberal as a more general term than how we understand it now, but um, where you have a one-party government, right? And that one party, in this, in our case, the Republicans, we own everything, and we don't compete for power like you do in a democracy and a two-party or multi-party state. So, is is that something that we can understand in the American context? In other words. What I was thinking when you were talking is if you if a political party is going to subject itself to a democracy, when you have elections, you risk losing. And that's something that Donald Trump and the Trumpists more generally have refused to accept that you have an election, fairly run election. We lost. OK. Next time, we'll adjust our messaging, we'll get our guys out to vote, and potentially we could win. In this case, what happened is you have a fair election, the people speak, um, Trump lost, whether you want to say he lost by a little bit or a lot is a little bit beside the point. And in liberal democracy, you go, okay, those guys won. This case, that didn't happen, right? Trump goes, it's impossible. I had to have won. I'm Donald Trump, right? It's like a, a little kid playing a game and saying, what do you mean I lost the game? I'm Johnny. I always win. And that is what is really frightening, um, I think, most Americans, even some who voted for Trump, that that's a move toward a system and a kind of government we've rejected. Well, we have, although we have always had an element baked in. The genius of 
modern republicanism was they figured out how to take that element and make it work. And here's specifically what I mean. The Electoral College, which gives uh, excess power, extra power, to minorities by the way it sets up the votes, that works towards an organized minority because they got that into place. Gerrymandering, which has allowed the Congress, even though if you aggregate all the votes in the Congress, the Democrats win by a lot. But nevertheless, in the Senate, uh, you have the, uh, the Republicans out front. And so all of these things were kind of there, but Trump and his people and all the people who follow him, they knew how to weaponize that. And that's really what we're seeing. And the extreme of weaponizing it is we get our people together and we charge the capital. And we use, and you may want to comment on this, we apparently use the infiltration we have made into the Capitol Police, into police forces across the country, and maybe even into the FBI itself because stormtroopers force those are part of fascism. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that is starting to emerge from the great reporting that's being done across the board, not just the Times and the Post, um, about not just the Capitol Police, but other branches of uh, law enforcement or other law enforcement entities that an, an infiltration is almost the wrong word because it assumes an organized plot to move people in to kind of be spies. I think what's happened has been more of a um, this long-term switch or or movement among certain people in the United States towards respecting an authoritarian leadership style. And so they, in, in if you remember, John, in the 2016 election, there were allegations that the FBI supported Trump at the expense of Hillary Clinton. And that one of the reasons that Comey felt that he had to come out on that Clinton uh, email thing was that the FBI was ready to just explode and they were going to, you know, the, the agents were going to get out with those stories if he didn't control and manage it. And people working for the government at the time were um, discussing that and how the FBI was, parts of the FBI were pro-Trump, which had to be upsetting to them how he then kept like bad-mouthing them. But I don't think that's about Donald Trump. I think it's more of what you're talking about which is an authoritarian mindset that attracts people to law enforcement jobs. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Maybe it is, and maybe it explains part of the question you and I have kept asking over and over and over again. Why do these people stay with Donald Trump? Why, even after the invasion of the Capitol, do, what, 170-some uh Republican congressmen still vote uh, to overturn the election. You know, why does this go on? And perhaps it's this. Remember that what we would think of as two of the great fascist leaders, 
Mussolini, who truly is that, Hitler would not have embraced the word fascism, but certainly he fits within that definition. Even at their time, they were considered clownish. And that's part of the reason people, you know, allowed things to go forward. Remember that before we're even in the war, uh, Charlie Chaplin is making a film, The Great Dictator, that points out how funny Hitler seems, seems to be. Is it that as long as somebody is tough, brutal, goes out, screams at a rally, exercises power uh, without restraint, it makes no difference how clownish they are, because that's at the core of fascism. And, you know, John, the other I've noticed that in the, um, the a talking point for and that, that maybe is an unfair way to say it. But for Democrats now who are talking about what happened Wednesday and the lead up to Wednesday is they keep calling it the big lie. And isn't it true historically that fascist successful fascist fascist movements have to be based on a big lie? In other words, the big lie of the um, the Nazi regime was the humiliation of Germany after World War One, which that's a we don't have time for that. But there's a lot of historical research that the lie that the Nazi Party told Germany Germany that they had been humiliated and they needed to you know refine their place in the world was the basis, the big lie after the Civil War, that it wasn't about, the Civil War wasn't about slavery, the South wasn't about slavery, but rather the North imposing their industrialization. All of these movements have a big lie. And right now, the big lie is that Trump won the election. And he set the stage for that a year ago, right? He started talking about it in case we were to this point, in case he lost, that he of course, had won and it had been stolen from him. And the storming of the Capitol can be seen as part of the big lie. And the big lie will outlive January 20th. Well, you're exactly right. Because the big lie is at the core of what fascism is. I'm going to return to Katano Vasca for a second. The central idea is that we, the organized minority, who are going to enforce our economic order, we're the best thing for you. And you should admire us because we're organized. We will take care of all of you. That's, of course, not true. But do you hear how that ripples on and on and on and on? It goes all the way to Reagan and and beyond. The best thing all of you can do is give tax breaks to the very wealthy because we'll trickle down some of it to, to you. The best thing all of you can do is let us run the questions of social concern, of what's going to happen with gay marriage, all of those things. And it's not true. It's just not true. It's all the big lie. Yeah, I think that, you know, people, this has been my experience over the last few days. People have a lot of anxiety about these coming days because of the the social media talk, the chatter about what's going to happen at state houses and the inauguration, and simply the anxiety we have about not living in the kind of society we're used to, which is 
government does its thing, there's a transfer of power, we don't really have to think or worry about it, there's not people in the streets. The other part about that, and we need to get going, but there are so many guns in this country that if the thing blows, it is going to be frightening. So that is something I think we need to continue to talk about as we gear up for a week from tomorrow, we, isn't it? Yeah. And that's and the, inauguration. the inauguration. We do, and we have to say goodbye now. But I, I do want to mention, I think a lot of people are going to support on this. Uh, I'm going to be involved today on demanding a recount of the score of the Ohio State-Alabama uh, <laughs> game. There is no way that Alabama beat Ohio State. The, this whole thing was rigged. Uh, there, I know it looked like hey. they were a much better team and ran rings around Ohio State, but that's not possible. So huh, how do you think Pittsburgh oh. feels? All right, Bye. see you tomorrow. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.